Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 62 of This Week in Marvel, the official podcast of Marvel, where we cover everything from Marvel, including comics, video games, toys, movies, all you could want. My name is Ben Morse. I'm the editor of Marvel.com. It is my extreme and magnanimous pleasure to be joined by my good friend, Associate Producer Blake Garris. Did you? It is my pleasure. I didn't know who you were talking. I, I was no going to say, did you here. pause because you thought you were not my friend? Yeah, I thought it was the other person in here. There's no one else in here. It's just the two of us. And this is the first This Week in Marvel of 2013. But crazy behind-the-scenes fact, we are actually recording it in 2012. So we're in the past. We're in the past. And you know what else is crazy? What? When we get to Strami's parts, he's probably going to record those in 2013. Whoa. So this is like a time travel episode. It's like an episode of Quantum Leap. Love that show. Yeah. Have you seen the first three episodes? <sighs> so Blake's upset because he can't watch the first three episodes of Quantum Leap on Netflix because for some reason they start with the fourth episode. Don't get me started. So I just thought I'd bring that up to kick things Tell off. Tell Netflix on Twitter to fix this error. <laughs> For those of you who are new to the podcast, we like to talk about everything that's coming out this week in terms of comics. We give our quick reviews. We talk about what's coming out digitally. We catch people up with news. We kick over to the West Coast to Mark Strom where he discusses movies and TV and more. And then we get to your questions. And you can always send us questions, comments, etc. on Twitter using the hashtag this week in Marvel. We get to as many as we can each week. We love to answer them. You can hit our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Ben J. Morse. Blake is at Blake Garris. But if you use the This Week in Marvel hashtag, that is the best way to guarantee we will get to it. So, first things first, we're going to talk about the comics that are on sale in print this week and digitally on January 2nd. It's in the past for you. It's in the future for us. It's all over the place. And we're going to start with All New X-Men number 5. Written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Stuart Immonen. This is the conclusion to the first Marvel Now arc. This moved fast and furious because two issues came out a month. But we wrap up everything... Well, we start to wrap up everything that's kind of come about as a result of the original X-Men coming to the present. And this issue, as you can see by the beautiful cover, focuses a lot on Jean Grey, who is a central figure in the original X-Men and a very interesting figure to the current team as she is deceased in the present. But her and Young Beast are working to cure the older Beast, the present-day Beast, of the malady that he kind of went back in time to investigate in the first place. So the two of them are inside Beast's head. Jean learns a lot about herself, about her future. The Beasts have an interesting interaction. While this is all going on, Cyclops is kind of coming to terms with what his future holds. Well, our Cyclops is trying to move forward with his agenda. I've got stuff going on with Iceman, with Kitty Pride, with Angel. Some really cool stuff for Angel coming out. But really, it's a lot about Jean Grey and what she learns about herself and how she deals with it. The art in this book is killer. It's by Stuart Eminen. There is an amazing two-page spread where basically Beast, modern-day Beast, downloads everything that has happened to Jean Grey since what she knows. And it, yeah, go ahead and look at it. It's basically Stuart Eminen just drawing the entire history of Jean Grey in a two-page spread. It is one of the most gorgeous spreads I've seen in a long time. Blake is looking at it now. It's pretty cool, right? This is the one you guys were talking about last week. Yep, yep. 
So, yeah, we, we got these books like two weeks ago, yeah. so we read them a little early. So, anyways, by the end of the issue, we've got a new status quo for the original X-Men. You find out whether or not they're going to stay in the present and what they're going to be doing in the present. This has been a really fun book. It's a great conclusion to the first arc and a lot of promise for what is to come. Next, we have Daredevil End of Days number four, written by... Brian Michael Bendis and David Mack, art by Klaus Jansen and Bill Sienkiewicz. Sienkiewicz. So you already knew I was going to mess up names. I know how you go. Here we have pretty much the precursor to the death of Bullseye, like what happened in its last moments. We should note that Daredevil End of Days does not take place in the present day Marvel Universe. It's yeah. a possible future. And it's awesome though. It is very awesome. You think Bullseye's dark before, but he gets into some pretty skeevy things in this. Yeah, not a nice guy. I don't think children should read this. I agree. I think this is more for mature reading. Yeah. There's a part at the end that really leads up to something that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a character that's very familiar with Daredevil that's coming into the picture and he's in his own world of problems. More so than he usually is. It's a very cool issue. Great art. You were just slipping. I saw that that splash page of Bullseye kind of in his prime. It's a beautifully written thing. It's crazy murder mystery. I have no idea where it's going, mm-hmm. which I like. They're trying to figure out who killed Daredevil, why Daredevil died. Well, not who killed Daredevil, but why Daredevil died. A lot of mysteries going on. Or is he dead? It's a good question, boy. Yes. It's a great question. And I don't know. I am also interested to see what happens with the character at the end. Over in the pages of Iron Man, number five, written by Karen Gillan, art by Greg Land. Another wrap-up to the fast-shipping first Marvel Now arc. This arc has seen Tony Stark dealing with extremists that has gotten loose in the world, and in this case, he has to deal with an old mentor and friend of his who used extremists to go into space and to build a, not just a space station, but to equip himself, his crew with the ability to survive in space so they can go out and discover things. Tony is not completely unsympathetic. He understands what his mentor is trying to do. He understands that he wants to do the better, but his conflict is once Extremis is out, the wrong people can get the hands on it, their hands on it. So he does come into conflict. It's a physical thing. It's also an ideological thing. It kind of ends with Tony and Pepper having a chat about what this whole arc has been about, and that's what can Tony Stark do next, and that's what I've been really interested in terms of what Karen Gillan is writing. You know, when, you, when you've kind of conquered the world in terms of technology, in terms of accomplishment, what's left for you to accomplish, and as we know from news about the next arc, Tony is going to be going into outer space himself, and there's some really just beautiful language in here. I wrote down a quote from the end here about, uh, let me see if I can find it. Sometimes when I'm reading comics, I write down quotes that I like. That's that's nice. It's not at all weird. Tony says, Pepper's basically saying, you know, you're you're a billionaire, you're a technological genius, done this, this, and this. Isn't Isn't that enough? And he goes, if it's less than I could do, yeah, it's not enough. Which I thought was a really neat quote. Kind of sums up why I like this book. It's really smart and cool, like me, and I dig it. Everything you said there is true. More from Iron Man. If you can't wait for the movie, Iron Man 3. Marvel's Iron Man 3. Marvel's Iron Man 3. Wait no longer. Because you still have to wait for the movie, but 
There's Marvel's Iron Man 3 Prelude, number one, which is, like I said, the prelude to Iron Man 3, sort of. This isn't really the story, I assume. They're just like... This is set in the actual Marvel Cinematic Universe. This takes place in between Iron Man 2 and Iron Man 3. Ooh. So this is legit. Okay. This is all Marvel Studios approved and everything. Well, here's the thing. There's a new War Machine costume that Tony Stark builds for Rhodes. And it's kind of more of an armor. An armor. Costume. Well, okay, you're right. But... Yeah, so he just battles and saves the day. Then something happens for the next issue to come. Yeah, like Blake said, if you're looking forward to the movie, this kind of sets up elements of what's going to be important in Iron Man 3. It's centered mainly around Rhodey, and it's actually what he's doing during the Avengers because they reference the Avengers in the book. So War Machine's off doing this and that, and he's investigating the Ten Rings who have been referred to throughout the Iron Man movies, but... They're going to play a bigger role here, and you start getting some sense of that. This is a really cool thing because it is, it's a comic, but it does actually take place in between the movies, and this will actually have bearing on what you're going to see. And it is the first place you can see the new War Machine armor. It's written by Christos Gage with Will Pilgrim, art by Steve Kurth, and it's good stuff all around. Moving on from that... Book I'm very excited about, Morbius the Living Vampire number one, new Marvel now launch from our buddy Joe Keating, who did the writing, Rich Elson on art. This is Morbius in on his own in New York. He has escaped prison and he is now out on the run. He is a tortured soul. He is a guy who, if you read Amazing Spider-Man number 699.1, a few weeks back, you know, this is a guy who's been sick all his life, been looking for a cure, and in trying to do so, this guy who could have been a great man has ended up just costing so many people so much. He's just had tragedy all along the way. This is just a book about survival, and Joe Keating really gets this character, this character of a guy who wants to do no harm, but honestly just wants to be left alone, because that's what's best for him right now. He sets up in a neighborhood of New York where no superheroes are going to find him, but gets drawn into conflict there just between kind of the street criminals and stuff like that. You get a quick download on his powers, his abilities, his personality. Joe does a really good job just unpacking all this and using some kind of quirky stuff. He uses some neat techniques like uh, using headings and stuff like that. Elson's art is fantastic. And we get a new status quo for Morbius, which is very different. This is going to be a very different book than anything else you read in Marvel because this is not so much a guy who's a superhero. It's more just a guy trying to survive in the Marvel Universe. And that's an interesting story to me. I like the creative team here. I like the title. I like the character. And uh, it's, it's something I think has a lot of potential. I'm looking forward to it being explored. And speaking of new books with tons of potential, New Avengers number 1. I'm waiting a long time for this one. Written by Jonathan Hickman, so you know that it's going to be crazy and intelligent and out there and have charts in it. There are no charts in this issue. I'm hoping there will be charts in future issues. Uh, art by Steve Epting, Rick Magyar, and Frank Tiarmada. Beautiful, beautiful, moody stuff. We get dropped in Wakanda. Well, first there's a flashback to when the Illuminati first formed and how the Black Panther wanted nothing to do with it. Flash forward to Wakanda now. Black Panther is out with his people, going through the gorgeously rendered by Steve Ecting Wakandan jungles. 
a problem comes up, a new, crazy, out-of-this-world problem. It's tragic, and uh, what happens, Black Panther's basically out with, with some kids from Wakanda who have a great future. Crazy battle with this new character called the Black Swan. A new mythology is set up. So much happens in this issue. So much big, oh my god, this is going to be huge stuff that I can't talk about for a number of reasons. Number one, because it'll spoil the book for you. Number two, because I know kind of where it's heading. And I'm anxious to, for people to see get there on its own. But what you need to know is by the end of the issue, Black Panther has to do something he never, ever wanted to do. And that is call in the Illuminati, the group he refused to join years ago and that he honestly thinks should not exist. He has to turn to them. That's how bad the situation is. And so we get this first issue, just an awesome, kick-ass Black Panther story. And now we're going to get a story of Black Panther, Namor, Iron Man, Mr. Fantastic, Doctor Strange, Black Bolt, all trying to get along. That's going to be cool, and I'm looking forward to it. So, good start to New Avengers. You really need to read it for yourself, because I did not do it any justice whatsoever in my hamstrung description. But there's a reason for that. Next up, Punisher Nightmare number one of five, written by Scott Gimple, art by Mark Textera. I knew I should have just gone with my gut. I could have said it. Always cool. Um, So, this is the... Writer, producer of Walking Dead. Yeah. Or one of them. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is a really interesting story because uh, Punisher, you all know his backstory, obviously. He looks in the paper and sees a similar issue where a father and his uh, a husband and wife and their their daughter, I believe, are yeah, walking are. in the park. And there's a random shooting. And Punisher goes to kind of, you know remedy this as he does to kill villains and um the father is a war veteran and he kind of wants to kind of fix this himself he's the only one that survived this thing just like frank castle did in the past so can i say that there might be a team up i don't know if there's going to be a team up. there might be i mean they seem kind of they're very similar. Number one, I liked this a lot. Yeah. I'm surprised. I, I didn't really. I wasn't really thinking about this book. But this new character, who you get to read some of his blogs and his uh, journals from when he was on the front lines. Oh right. He yeah. He is very complex. He sees himself as two people. He sees himself as kind of like civilian self, the guy who goes and accepts awards and hangs out with his family, and then the guy who just needs to go and turn his emotions off and kill. Yeah. You kind of at one point watch him. Like forget that he's the other. He becomes the bad side of himself. Yeah, and you can see that in the the journal. It's really interesting, and I'm not sure if he will team up with the Punisher because they might be too similar. Uh. Um, and I don't know if they can coexist. But I'm really intrigued by this character, and Texera's art is always awesome, and it re- great war stuff. So I, I like that book a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. dark though. Really like dark. A, like a Punisher. Like, like a Punisher story um, should be. Now we have Red She-Hulk, number 61, written by Jeff Parker, art by Wellington Alves and Carlo Pagulayan. Uh So Machine Man is trying to track down um, Betty Ross, and she's become this like crazy, crazy version of Red She-Hulk. She pretty much can't control her emotions and she used to as 
She-Hulk, and now she's a monster. And my favorite part about this story is her kind of understanding more about what Bruce Banner had to deal with as the Hulk, because she never, you know, I guess she understood to an extent, but now that she sees that her instincts are taking over without her control over them, it's pretty cool just to see her side of things and how she's dealing with this. Machine Man and her are trying to fix this, and the, the thing about this is she she can't think of some kind of remedy for this she's just like oh this is who i am now at this point so it's interesting to see where this is going to go from red she hulk we go on the road to oz number four written by eric shanauer art by scotty young gorgeous adorable stuff new adventure Old adventure, technically, because it's adapted from a decades-old book. But new adventure for us with Dorothy traveling back to Oz, making new friends, and trying to survive in Oz. Oz is a crazy place. And anytime you go there, you're not guaranteed to come home. So she's got a mission. She's got some new buddies, including a dude called the Shaggy Man. And they're going to try to figure out what's up in Oz and then try to get back over the rainbow. Got Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 19, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by the returning Sarah Pacelli. This is the aftermath of Divided We Fall, United We Stand, and Miles Morales is back in New York. He is dealing with his family, dealing with the follow-up stuff that's happened. Number one, he is out of web fluid. He doesn't know how to make web fluid, so him and his friend Gonky are trying to make some more. There's also this one scene where you see this kind of cute punky goth girl checking Miles out from the back of his class and well I thought that was cool it's cute it's young love I missed that you missed it it's right there it's a huge pan never mind anyways (laughs) it's it's cute it's literally just a panel want to see where it goes but you've got also someone is Venom and is blowing up factories, is stalking around, is looking crazy creepy, courtesy of Miss Pacelli. And then you've also got at home, Miles has to deal with the fact that his dad, during the whole United We Stand brouhaha, took it to some Hydra agents. He got into a fight with them. He's not happy about it. He was violent in his past, and it's something he's trying to put behind him. He was caught on tape, and now the news is hounding him. He's really pissed off. It's causing all sorts of family troubles. And we also have the fallout of Betty Brant, report for the Daily Planet, was killed. We know it was by Venom. Maria Hill, who in this universe is a detective, does not know what's going on. She interviews J. Jonah Jameson. You see a whole new side of J. Jonah Jameson, ultimate J. Jonah Jameson, very different. Someone who was influenced by Peter Parker, someone who considers Spider-Man a hero, and who is trying to prevent any stories from the new Spider-Man's identity coming out, but in the process may have made himself look like a possible suspect in the murder of Betty Brant. So, ton of stuff going on in this book. There's not really much action aside from Venom, who is lurking over the whole thing, but the human interactions, the emotions are just phenomenal. And this is one of my favorite books of the week. I just loved it. And I love the art. I love how Sarah Pacelli takes little things like fashion and like uh, just settings of rooms and makes them look real. And I think Venom War is going to be a very cool story because we're, we're just now getting to the meat of it and I'm already digging it. So, there you go. Mm-hmm. Finally, we have Venom number 29 written by Colin Bunn, art by Tony Silas. I'm going to say it 
right here. Do it. When I was reading this, because I like Avengers Alliance, and I've been playing it. A lot. Every character other than Venom is who you fight or don't fight, who you are working for right now, is in this book. It's true. Like Vector, um, Ironclad. All the you um, X-Rays. Yep. He's in there. Valkyrie, who I'm sure if you're playing Avengers Alliance, you're trying to get her right now. Yeah. This was an Avengers Alliance heavy. I didn't even think of that, but you're totally right. Yeah. Well, basically, so Venom's trying to fight these villains, and Valkyrie, who is, he thinks she's his girlfriend, and she doesn't know, I don't even know if she knows what a girlfriend or boyfriend is. Yeah. You've been there. Yeah. So there's this crazy thing going on there's wonderful wonderful art here the last page i'm not going to spoil it but it's like amazing and it's going to lead into some pretty big problems for venom because right now he's a he's still a hero for now and you know he's been dealing with some things he's kind of had some battles recently and they're testing him and you don't know who's gonna come out well said, Mr. Garris. Uh, that brings us to the end of our short but good week. I'm going to say that the two books that stood out for me among a lot of good stuff, All New X-Men was good, Morbius is really strong, New Avengers, but I was really pleasantly surprised just because I'm thinking about it by Punisher Nightmare number one. And as I just said, I really dug Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 19. I'll have to go with Morbius and... Yeah. Cool. No wrong answers here. Right. All good books. All right, I want to tell you guys the collections on sale this week are Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, The Man in Black, hardcover, Defenders by Matt Fraction, Volume 2 in trade paperback, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz in trade paperback, Nova Classic, Volume 1, trade paperback, classic, classic stuff from my favorite character, Stan, No Man's Land, trade paperback, and a reissue of Wolverine, Not Dead Yet, also in trade paperback. Now, normally, this would be where we tell you guys what is available on the Marvel Comics app this week, but we are recording this on Monday. We don't have that information yet. Can tell you that all the books we just discussed are on there. However, for additional information, go to the Comics News section of Marvel.com and look for this week's app update, and you'll get all the information you need there. But you can also get books all week long, freshly digitized comics on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Blake, Tell them what, what they can get. We have Venom number three, four, and five. Yes. Wolverine, the best there is, number 11. X-Men Legacy, number 255 through 258. Also, Marvel Avengers Superheroes, number 15, 16, and 18. And 17. See, 15 through... This is on two separate pages back-to-back, back, so... You're doing a great job. Let's see. We have Venom number... We already said that. Let's see. X-Factor number 228. And Doc and Dark Wolverine number 4. Good stuff. You get everything? No, you missed the Sanchez X-Men number 37. Uh, that, too. That, too. All right. Yeah. So, all that is available on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. All right. We got some news this week for you guys. As we are coming off the holidays, going into the new year, we're kind of taking things easy on Marvel.com, but... There's still plenty of stuff. We're publishing multiple stories every day. You can get lots of cool new Marvel Now stuff, and we're also going to start our Best of 2012, hopefully this week, 
fingers crossed. It's very early in the week, so I don't want to commit to it yet. But Blake, I understand that you have some news. All right, uh, Diamond Select Toys has released a new Hulk Marvel Select figure, Barbarian Hulk, and it looks really cool. They've also released a Captain America Shield bottle opener. That's sweet. You can open bottles with it. Also, there's a Rhino figure. Marvel Select as well that's coming out soon. So check out those the images on the website for all those. Also, uh, Ryan and I spoke with Andrew WK maybe a month or so ago, and he came by to visit and take a tour, and he was awesome. And he talks about partying and his love for comics. Be cool, man. All right, we are going to once again jump into the far-flung future with. Mark Strombot 3000 is going to tell us the latest news in movies, TV, and more. Strombi! Hello there. This week in Marvelites, this is Marvel.com, Associate Editor Mark Strom, Stromy on Twitter, coming to you from actually quite, quite sunny and nice after many weeks of rain and not nice and cold and it's better now. It's better here in Los Angeles. So, we've got a bunch of Marvel TV news and a little bit of game news and uh, some other news, beginning with our 13 reasons we are excited for 2013. Of course, it's the new year, and to celebrate, we put together a list of the 13 things we're most excited about in the upcoming year, including movies like Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, The Wolverine. We have more Marvel Now coming, more launches, including Uncanny X-Men, Nova, Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got new video game stuff coming up. We've got Deadpool getting his very own video game later this year. We've got Marvel Heroes, which is currently in closed beta, coming soon. We've got more Marvel XP coming your way, including more episodes of Avengers Initiative on mobile devices, and of course, more Spec Ops, more PvP seasons, more new heroes, more of everything in Marvel Avengers Alliance on Facebook. We've got more Marvel Universe on Disney XD with a new season of Ultimate Spider-Man and the premieres of Hulk and the Agents of Smash and Marvel's Avengers Assemble coming up later this year. We have the X-Men turning 50. We've got more digital comics coming your way some new and cool stuff going on with them we've got superior spider-man beginning in uh well actually this week possibly next week i don't know that sounds like a ben morse question well that's uh i think i don't think i listed all 13 but you can check them all out on marvel.com right now see what i missed and let's know what you are most excited for, of course, on Twitter and Facebook. And speaking of stuff, new and exciting stuff happening in 2013, it all kicks off with the season premiere of Ultimate Spider-Man on January 21st. It's a special primetime, one-hour deal. You get two episodes where Spidey meets the Lizard and Electro, 
Um, we announced this actually a week or two back, but I don't think I have mentioned it here on the podcast yet, so I am mentioning it now. That's January 21st, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That's a Monday, and then after that, new episodes will again start premiering at the regular time, you know, Sunday mornings on Disney XD. So, we've also got a full episode of Ultimate Spider-Man going up this week, going up the day this podcast goes up, I believe, Flight of the Iron Spider, which is uh, episode five of season one, in which Spidey teams up with Iron Man, or, well, not so much teams up with Iron Man as is forced to fight Iron Man in a special new spider suit that Tony Stark has designed for him. Of course, the classic Iron Spider suit that uh, Peter wore during Civil War, during the Civil War event in the comics. And we've got a full episode of The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes going up Friday. This is the episode entitled Yellow Jacket, in which Hank Pym becomes Yellow Jacket. He, uh, he sort of has a, uh, a midlife crisis, I guess you could call it, a uh, little identity crisis, and takes up the new mantle. And, of course, we've got new episodes of Marvel Mashup premiering. I know we've got an episode that features Spider-Man and his amazing friends meeting Captain America. And we should have at least another couple going up as well. And moving over to the world of video games, we also have a special belated holiday message from your favorite Merc with a Mouth, Deadpool. Of course, uh, talking about his upcoming game, which I just mentioned a little bit ago. And uh, you will be able to watch that on Marvel.com as we speak, actually, and on Marvel YouTube. It will be there for your viewing pleasure. I should be uploading it right after I record this podcast for the wonderful Blake Garris to edit together. And with that, I think that is pretty much it. I hope everyone had a spectacular new year. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to see what 2013 brings us. So... Have a great weekend, everyone, and a great week, and I will speak to you again in seven days. All right, Strami, good luck with the apocalypse out there. Hopefully you can hold it off and those computers will not get over here. But if you don't, I'm sure Blake has a contingency plan to deal with Mm -hmm. these sentient machines. All right, we're going to finish up this week with questions from you guys. As always, you can ask us questions and send comments on Twitter using the hashtag ThisWeekInMarvel. You can also hit us up individually. You can get us at, at Blake Garris, at Ben J. Morse, at Strami. You can also contact Ryan, who is not here this week, at, at Agent M. And let's get right to it. Cameron Williams, a.k.a. at Wasgo, asks Ryan, Is it wrong that one of my favorite parts of This Week in Marvel is listening to you try not to laugh while reading my questions? Blake, do you think it's wrong? I think it's a, that's a rhetorical question. I think it's definitely not a rhetorical question. I think he needs to ask himself that. That's, is that, that's not what a rhetorical question is. That is what a re- rhetorical question is a question you're just asking and you're not looking for an answer. Wait a minute. Does this change everything? So, it's not wrong. Yeah, do what you want. (laughs) 
Do what you want. Let's go. <laughs> At art by Danny S. Danny S. Anyone know if the Marvel app is supported on a Nook tablet? Danny, I know we're going to have a lot of pretty cool news about the Marvel app, about digital comics, about all those initiatives coming in the next few weeks and months. So stay tuned. That may be one of the things we answer. At Wolf Knight 26, Ryan Putney just got Valkyrie. Oh yeah, I am getting pretty good at these spec offs. Congratulations, Ryan. Like, do you get Valkyrie? Yeah, I just got him, time? and I have to thank Ben for this because he got him. Her just got her. Right. I have to thank Ben for this because mm-hmm. he shepherded me through this whole scenario, and I was freaking out because I put a lot of effort into it. I will help the uh, readers out there. If you get to the final challenge of the spec ops, and they ask you to fight Destroyer, who's an epic boss in the first mission. If you don't know how to get to an epic boss, that basically just means you have to go to a map and you have to defeat every person and do every deploy mission. Only after you every yeah underlined. Only after you clear everything off that board will the epic boss appear and you can fight them. Because uh, I know in, in Spec Ops especially, because you have a limited amount of ISO to do your missions with, I'll just do the minimum amount of stuff I need to do and then just clear the map. That was my problem right. in the other ones. Yeah. But in this, you have to yeah. do everyone, then you fight the store, then you can have Valkyrie, like Blake and I both have now. Mm-hmm. So, and Ryan Putney does as well. Yep. Ed Simon Seb, Simon Williams. Is Luke Cage retired from just the Avengers or superhero work altogether? Uh, at the end of New Avengers End Times, Luke Cage left the Avengers to kind of raise his family. He left it a little open-ended as what he would be doing next. You know, from the Avengers series by Jonathan Hickman, he was invited back into the Avengers and declined, so he's definitely out of the Avengers for the time being. As for what his future holds, that's going to have to be a wait and see. At Roninitis, Ron Shaw, what is your most prized comic in your collection? For me, it is my first printing of Avengers number four. Not bragging, just proud. Blake? I have some that are like worth money, but yeah. I love when we were kids the like hologram yeah. cards on some of the covers and there was a Jean Grey and Scott Summers like wedding yeah, annual yeah, yeah. thing. Like those are to me X-Men number thirty. Is that it? Yep. Yeah. Those are the ones I cherish the most. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, along those same lines, I remember X-Men number one in the 90s, the Jim Lee one with the cover that folds out like mm. five times. Mm-hmm. You have a poster of it here at the Marvel offices. Just because I tried to draw that so many times. Yeah. And strangely enough, my 10-year-old scribblings never looked as good <laughs> as Jim Lee's multi-million selling art. But, you know, I should try again one of these days. I have the first... 30 or 40 issues of X-Men 2099. Oh, I love that. Because that was the first comic I could pick up from Marvel that was a number one that yeah. I could grab onto. I remember. I loved X-Men 2099. Yeah. I thought that book was great. Blake and I are learning how much we have in common from our childhoods. Too. Yeah, after months of working together and yeah, hanging and out. just assuming that we have nothing in yeah. common. Because, you know, it's like City Mouse and Country Mouse <laughs> over here. Alright, from Etlax Pendragon, we got a couple. Morbius number one felt like it could be a Swedish style black and white noir film, but it was a fun read. I have never seen a Swedish style black and white noir film. Blake, you are more worldly than I am. <sighs> Did Swedish people have noir? I, maybe they still do. I don't. That could be their whole thing. I've seen noir from other countries. I have not seen Swedish. Alright. 
So, Lex, I'm going to take your word for it, but I'd be interested to know what about Morbius number one made it like a Swedish-style black-and-white noir film. So get back to us. Lex Pandragon also talking about how last week on the final edition of uh, 2012's This Week in Marvel, we gave him the final tweet of the year. He said, thanks, guys. You have me as a twin maniac for life. You're welcome. That's sweet. It was our pleasure. You're one of our frequent contributors. We appreciate you. Although I realized, I think I called last week's episode 61, the, the final This Week in Marvel of the Year, and then today when I did the Andrew WK one, mm-hmm. I called that the final Eek. Marvel of 2012. So, yee. But there were no tweets on that one, so Lex's record is safe. At Chris Vaughn, whatever happened to the soft cover reprints of the Marvel Handbook hardcovers that were coming out? Not sure. We will ask our Collected Editions department about that, and maybe we can have an answer for you next week. Finally, from at Johnny Timpulse, Kyle Charles, completely finished Amazing Spider-Man 700, really looking forward to Superior Spider-Man. Like, what'd you think of, you weren't you weren't on our uh, podcast last week, what'd you think of Amazing Spider-Man 700? I am like most of the people where I am sad yet excited to see what happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm torn. All out of faith? No, I'm not out of faith. No, I was just doing the Natalie Imbruglia song. Do you not know who Natalie Imbruglia is? I'm I think we, I think we need something to I'm torn. I think we need to end. I'm all out of faith. It's literally I'm torn. This is I how I feel. feel. <laughs> I'm cold and I'm broken. Lying lying naked on the floor. <laughs> so Great way to usher in 2013 with Blake and I singing Natalie and Brulia's like, Corn. No, we're like William Shatnering it. Yeah. <laughs> if Natalie and Brulia is listening to this, apologies. As she does. We can do better. But want to thank all of you guys for joining us in 2012. This would normally be the part where we thank the interns for putting this together, but we have no interns right, right now. We do this all, all by ourselves. You did this. I did this. You helped. A little, uh, not really. Strani contributed, presumably, unless we find out in a couple of days he didn't do it. Right here. So, and uh, you know, Ryan guided us from afar, but he's not here. So really, thank you, Blake. Thank you, Ben. We did a great job. Yeah. This is a fantastic. We're the best. Yeah. This is a fantastic episode of this week yeah, in Marvel. The best episode. This was the best episode thus far in 2013. I would argue. I want to wish you all a happy new year. Healthy. Thank you guys for writing in. You're the only ones who helped us because you sent us questions. So we share some of this honor with you. But until next time, this is Marvel, your universe.